remember, in the course of discussing movies, the host will spoil plots. You've been warned. Listen to their screams. Greetings, ghouls and creeps, and welcome to Listen to Their Screams, a horror podcast that feels like you're chatting with friends. I am one of your friends, Dave. We're joined, as always, by our other friend, Ike. Ike, how are you? I'm craving Mexican food. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much always craving Mexican food. I can eat Mexican food, like, uh, anytime. Actually, I breakfast food, man. Breakfast food is my <laughs> thing that I can literally eat anytime. I've... I know this is a sidetrack, right? I know this is not horror related, but <laughs> I'm going to be real. I fucking love eggs. Oh, yeah. Man, eggs are the most amazing thing in the world. Um, I can eat them pretty much any way. Well, except for, you know, like, I don't like the whites runny. So whatever, right. like sunny side up shit like that. You know, man, I love them boiled. I love them poached. I love them fried. I love them scrambled. Man, eggs, eggs are God's gift. If, you know, if you believe in that thing, um, to, to, to mankind. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree because uh, yesterday I, I actually weirdly enough we're talking about eggs. I ate eggs for every meal yesterday. I yeah. had an egg egg sandwich for breakfast. I had um I, I ate this ramen. It's called uh, boldak. Um, yeah. And I I make soft boiled eggs with those. And yeah. then I ate a breakfast tostada for dinner. So yeah. had egg on it. <laughs> yeah, and we go through so, so many eggs. We we have eggs eggs and toast for lunch all the time. I just I love it, man. So good. Uh, I'm just, I mean, I'm a fiend for it. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> I know I got it from a side drive, but yeah, Mexican sounds good. But uh, uh, well, in this household tonight, we're having Subway, which is, eh. I'm not a huge Subway guy, but it's it's all right. It's like, all right. Uh, this actually might be horror related, but I love the tuna sandwich from Subway. And uh, I mean, it might not be tuna. It's maybe meat. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> they, they are making some uh, they're making some vegetable soup in there to go with the sandwiches. So uh, that I guess that's something. But uh, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Subway's not my first choice of sandwich places to go to. But, uh, you know, they, they have good deals. That's that's the, that's that's what they really in. They say the cheap sandwiches. So you're like, uh, <laughs> you're yep. like, how do we not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It's hit or miss. I mean, we, have, we have one subway here. That's that's pretty good. So it's, you know. My big thing is the subway, the quality of the bread is so, uh, it varies so much from location to location. And that's what makes or breaks a subway sandwich. Cause if you get that crusty ass bread where you take a bite and it's just suddenly you're coated and, and, and crust flakes, man, you're just, you're living a nightmare. That, that's horror right there. It but, uh, is. Well, something that's not horror. Um, did you see the subway came out with foot long cookies? I did. They're also coming out with foot long churros. Which is like they it's like they called and said, hey, Dave, what do you want us to make? Because I love fucking churros. And uh, I'm, I'm, they're, they're not out yet, I don't think. But I'm so excited to try uh, the footlong churros. But uh, this is what happens when you have a, a horror podcast hosted by a couple of <laughs> chunky dudes that like food. Um, Heck, yeah. That that de-ravel, uh, unraveled really quick there. But uh, um, I guess, I don't know, on an unrelated, related note, I mean, we're talking about <laughs> Nightmare on 34th Street today. I don't know how we'll tie that into food, but who? just stand by. Maybe we will. Uh, but before we get there, we got a lot of shit to go through. Uh, so, Ike, before we uh, before we get to our weekly segment, uh, did you watch anything this week? 
Uh, you know, I, I honestly, okay, so I did actually watch some movies, um, and we talked about one of these before. Uh, I watched Gremlins. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, Gr- Gremlins is a Christmas rewatch for me. We actually mm-hmm. did a whole episode about Gremlins, so you guys will have to check that out, of course. Um, and then I watched a few other Christmas movies. My wife has never seen a Christmas story, so we sat down and what? watched a Christmas story. That's what How, I'm saying. Whoa! How has she never... I mean, TBS plays that thing like 24-7 every year. Uh, you're telling me. I was like, you... Because she, uh, for fun fact about, about my wife, she's uh, she used to live in Indiana, as did I, uh, but she didn't always live in Indiana. But I'm like, how do you, as someone who lives in Indiana, not see a Christmas story? It's literally a... Yeah, it's, it's set, set in Indiana. Indiana. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she'd never seen it, so, so we watched it. <laughs> so, ha- so has she seen it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched it uh, a couple and, days ago. And what did she think? She she thought it was good, but she it wasn't her favorite. Um, oh. See, here's the thing. For people who don't know, Kay- Kayla is a is a little bit of a I would I would say that she definitely does not like old movies or like older movies. Yeah. Yeah. So anything made before the year she was born, she she tends not to care for a whole lot. Um, so yeah, we yeah. actually we actually had this conversation because uh, we're, we're discussing concepts for uh, upcoming wiser bundles, which will be coming up soon. Yeah, and we were discussing Christmas horror movies, and uh, everyone's you know in the associated foursome here the opinions on them. And uh, my wife Monica asked Kayla if what was her thoughts on Black Christmas, and she said she's never seen them. And Monica's like, oh, you've got to watch them or whatever. Start with the original. And I immediately popped in and said, yeah, she won't like the original. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that was in the 70s. Like, I mean, if she thought The Exorcist, because she likes The Exorcist, but she doesn't like the pacing. I was like, if she didn't like The Exorcist, she's not going to like Black Christmas. Like, <laughs> No. No, no. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well. Well, I'm not saying that, that Christmas Story's got to be your favorite, but it's a classic. It is. It is a, it is a great Great movie. Um, I, I absolutely love it. There's so many lines that I, this time of year, I quote from it. You know, I mean, I, and I absolutely, Frigile, it will always be one of my classics. You know, oh, it must be important. It says Frigile, um, or whatever they say. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's a great movie. Um, so, uh, as long as she enjoyed it, maybe it'd have to be one of her favorites, but it, it, it's, man, it's a classic Christmas movie. I it love is. it. Yeah, no, she liked it. Um, like I said, it just wasn't her favorite. Uh, yeah. Other than that, though, uh, we actually watched a, a horror movie I've never seen. It's called Better Watch Out. Um, it came out in 2016. It's a Christmas horror movie. I, I remember it coming out, but I never watched it. Uh, but it was honestly really good. It's an it's an yeah. underrated little gem. Um, never, it, I don't think I've ever heard of that. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, it's on Peacock. <laughs> Peacock. Uh, right. Yeah, because because uh, I. I kind of hit all the all my my top tier Christmas horror movies already. I, uh, I I'm sorry. Were you were you finished on what you watched? No. Yeah. That that that's it. Okay. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to jump in there, but no, but, you're I, good. but I I I I did watch the aforementioned uh, Black Christmas from 1974, a favorite of mine. Uh, probably one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Christmas horror movies of all time. Uh, I watched Silent Night, Daily Night. That's a great movie. So damn good. Love it. Uh, I watched Krampus, which I think uh, it is a great movie. I still think it's underrated. I still don't think it gets the, the props it deserves uh, for how good it is. Uh, and then I watched uh, I watched Rare Exports, which was a foreign a, a foreign subtitled horror movie, which was uh, was it was all right. It was pretty good. 
It was. I, I heard a lot of people on Twitter talking about how good it was, how good it was. I thought it was good, but people are calling it like a you know a classic Christmas horror movie. I, <laughs> it was good, but I'm not putting it up there with you know. I'm telling you what, Silent Night, Daily Night. That that's just so good, man. That movie. And maybe it's because, you know, the guy works in a toy store and I get to see all the toys from my childhood on the shelves through the movie. Maybe maybe that's what it is for me. But, uh, uh, right. but you know, so I, I watched a lot of that. Uh, so uh, maybe you'll have to check out. The, you better watch out since I've kind of hit my highlights already. Um, I have to watch. I have to check that out. I, I, you know, thought about, you know, diving down some Krampus uh, uh, rabbit holes because there's 50 million of those movies out there. Um. But uh, the 2015 Krampus movie is is the the pinnacle. That movie is uh, that movie is so good. And again, I, I think it's underrated still. I don't I don't think it's the props it deserves for being a classic Christmas movie. So good. Absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> Which I, I think we've discussed on a past episode last year. I think we I think we talked about that, didn't we? I don't remember what episode it was, but I think we talked about Krampus. We did. We did. It was. I, it was obviously in December, but I can't remember yeah. if it was our second or third episode of December last year, but we did. We did talk about it. We both really liked it. Um, and and, it, and if you like horror movies and you like Christmas, it, it should definitely be on your uh, your list. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure I think we talked about Silent Night, Daily Night. I, we may have yep. even talked about Black Christmas. I'm not sure. I think we hit all the big ones last year, the, the, the ones that people talk about the most last year. So uh, but we're uh, we're digging into actually some new kind of new stuff this year, which is kind of exciting. Uh, like we said, this this episode, we're talking about Nightmare on 34th Street. But we're not quite there yet. Before we get there, we do have our weekly segment. Stump the co-host. And this week, we're going to dive into a stump the co-host. Uh, this is a segment where Ike and I uh, play a trivia game. We have uh, identical horror trivia decks that we have ordered. Uh, we take two cards from these decks at random. Uh, that is four questions in total, and we ask each other these things and uh, try to determine who wins for this episode. Uh, as of right now, Ike leads with uh, four wins. I have two wins, and we have three draws. But my two wins have come uh, the last two times we played trivia in a row. So I'm on a, I'm on a streak. So let's see what <laughs> happens today. So, Ike, are you ready to play Stump the Co-Host? I sure am. All right. Well, since you're leading... You're in the hot seat. You got to go first. So Sounds are good. you ready for your first question? I think I am. Here we go. Which franchise has the most sequels, The Howling or Tremors? Uh, I'm going to go with the Tremors. That is incorrect. It is The Howling. That would have been a complete guess by me too. I I, I don't yeah. I don't know. The um, only thing I know about the Howling is that the second movie, um, and in other countries, is translated into Howling Two, uh, like Shiva, She Bitch, or something like that. So, She Bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I shit you not. Well, that, that is just, not what it's called here, but <laughs> at least it's not the Howling Two Electric Boogaloo. But, uh, it would have been better. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, man, I love speaking of that. I love Breaking. I love the movie Breaking, but yeah, uh, all the heat that Breaking Two gets, it's deserved. It that's a whew. now now mind you, Breaking is a, uh, a a sweet little slice of '80s pop culture. And if you don't get it, well, you're just not gonna like that movie. But anyway, uh, 
go ahead and uh, give me my first question. You have you've missed, so I'm now I've got the I, I've got the ability to uh, to go on the uh, the offensive here. So let's see what we got. Yeah, I think you. I'm, I'm pretty confident you'll get this first one. <laughs> man, I, I tell you all the time, quit saying that. Man. You you put the pressure on me, and I look like a fool if I don't get it. Nah, you, you'll get it. What uh, director? We'll yeah, what director of the Omen went on to direct the 1978 film Superman? Uh, Richard Donner. Yep, that's right. To be fair, I I wouldn't have known that from the Omen. I knew that from Superman. <laughs> I did uh, not know he did the Omen. <laughs> I did not either, actually, to be uh, to be completely uh, completely honest. Uh, I guess I should have known that since we host a horror podcast. The Omen's not one of those movies that I've watched a whole lot in my life, though. Uh, maybe it's due for a rewatch. But the 1988-78 Superman is one that I have seen a million times in a movie <laughs> that I love. So uh, thank you for that gift. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's your second question. This 1958 film takes place in a Swiss resort town where a mysterious radioactive cloud appears to be the cause of a series of decapitations. Wow. Uh, I, I'm going to guess it's either the mist or the fog. I, I feel confident about that. Um, I, like, I feel like that has to be what it is. So I'm going to say the fog. That is incorrect. It is the Crawling Eye, a.k.a. the Trollenberg Terror. What the actual fuck? <laughs> no idea. No idea. 1958 <laughs> even predates me. And and for my love of some classic horror way back, my you know, I love the Universal Monsters. I love Hammer Horror. I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never, ever seen that. I, I guess... I guess I was thinking, because I know that The Fog is like an 80s movie, so I was like really hoping that there was like a, a remake. <laughs> that was a remake of that. <laughs> no such luck. So uh, nope. so here we go. I, I I got a chance to really put the, put the nails to you, so let's go for it. Here we go. Yep. All right. Set in the year 2455, where does the film Jason X take place? Um, outer space. That is correct. <laughs> oh, don't get me started about Jason X. Yes, indeed. Jason X is a little slice of 2000s that should not Woo. have been made. <laughs> oh, do not like that movie. Negative uh, Ghost Rider. No, and I like science fiction and I like horror, but for some reason, you mix them up in that concept, it just didn't work for me. But, no, uh, science fiction slashers can work, but uh, yeah. not Jason X. No, it just didn't. I I, I applaud him for uh, swinging for the fences, but I think I was more of a swing and miss there. I think, I think uh, it was. Whew. What? God damn. What is Why? You're getting all these questions. Which franchise has the most sequels? Hellraiser or Friday the 13th? Uh, Friday the 13th. That is correct. I, I felt pretty confident about that one. I was like, I'm pretty sure That's, I can count Hellraiser on my fingers. Uh, Friday thirteenth. I don't think I can. <laughs> That's so weird that you got two questions like that. Though. They're they they were definitely testing me this this week. <laughs> all right. Well, you're staying you're staying in the hunt at least for a draw here. So all I need is one more. If I can get one more right, I've got another win and and three in a row. And I'm on a I, I'm. That's that's putting me up there almost even with you. So bring it on. What's my third question? 
All right, number three. What 2005 movie contains both elements of the supernatural and a courtroom drama? <laughs> what? Uh, well, I don't. 2005 is not exactly my wheelhouse year for horror. Um, geez, Louise. I don't know. I'm going to say I know what you did last summer. That's completely wrong. That is not right. Um, it yeah. is the exorcism of Emily Rose. The exorcism. Oh, of... yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. For people who might be confused Damn. by that statement, uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose follows someone who is receiving an exorcism, but also sort of the legal issue kind of around it. So that's what that means uh, for people who have not seen the movie. <laughs> I feel like a dope. I should have known that. Honestly, right. based based on that description, I would not have gotten it. I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, ah, damn it. All right. Here's your last question. If you get this right, you have tied me and puts the pressure on me to get my fourth question. If you miss, I've automatically won this week. So here we <laughs> go. What 1981 film is about a group of teenage friends trapped in a carnival funhouse with a freakish maniac? Carnival Funhouse. What year was it? 1981. 1981. Oh my god. Well, I know there's a movie called Maniac, but that's that's in I think that takes place in New York, not a carnival. The Burning is from around that time, but that's that's a camp. That's like a like a camp type deal. A carnival. <laughs> What movie? It's not the town that no, that's not right. It's not like well, shit. Um, <laughs> well, shit. Yeah, man. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to think. I, I'm sure I've heard of it. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, Carnival. <laughs> no, it is called the Fun House. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, I definitely would not have gotten that one. <laughs> Woo! So I have one again. But go ahead. Give me that fourth question. Let's see if I can get it. Yep. All right. What 2008 French horror movie involved the flaying of the main character in order to allow her to reach a state of transcendence? I, I, I don't No idea. I don't know. No idea. What is that? It is a film called Martyrs. Mm, not familiar with that. No, I, I've never personally seen Martyrs. Um, I, I have heard of it. I've actually heard a lot of people say that this is one of those movies that you you watch one time and you never watch it again. Huh. Well, I've not watched it one time yet. <laughs> so you're like, I, I've not given it my one watch. So, but yeah, huh. I, I, I've heard it's good. So I'll have to check it out. But yeah, it is called Martyrs. All right. Well, there you go with a, a meager two to one win. I have won my third in a row. That brings uh, Ike's, that cuts into Ike's lead with four wins for him, three wins for me, and three draws. So uh, we're we're getting to that point of it's it's a whole new ball game, and uh, yeah, that's exciting. We're we're almost to the end of the year here, so we have to make sure we we squeeze in one more before the end of the year to see if I can tie, and uh, yep. let's see what we do. But uh, this uh this has got interesting. After, yeah, I was going to say. 
<laughs> we're cutting down a, to the wire. Wire yeah. too for it. <laughs> yeah, after a dismal beginning for me, this is uh this is getting intriguing now. So all right. Well, there you have it. That's our weekly segment, Stump the Co-host. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have the all of our news and anniversaries, so stick around. Make sure you subscribe to listen to their screams on your favorite podcast platform. Also, make sure you look us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok, and Slasher. All you have to do is look up Listen to Screams. That is Listen, the number two in Screams, and you can find us there. Also, make sure you go and buy yourself a Listen to Their Screams t-shirt. You can find all of our shirts at tinyurl.com Screams Shirts. Spread the news. Spread the news. Spread the news. And we're back with the news. All right. So starting us off strong, we didn't have any news this week. Slow news week, if you will. Um, although I will say, I don't know if we talked about it on a previous episode, but reportedly uh, Jenna Ortega um, is also off of the new Scream project. I know we mentioned uh, Melissa Barrera, but I didn't. I don't think that we have actually um, talked about Ortega. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, they're. Uh, and it's so weird. All this scream stuff is is really odd to me because the Ortega stuff. There's talks that her leaving this project even predates the stuff with Barrera, that uh, that they had reduced her role down. Uh, that, that Barrera was the primary. Sam was the primary in this next movie, and that Ortega said, "Ah, no thanks." And yeah. uh, so I don't know who knows what to believe here. There's no been no official statements uh, on what what happened. Maybe there will never be. I don't know. Uh, the whole thing's kind of a mess. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's strange. <laughs> yeah, it's very peculiar. Uh, you know, we weren't exactly blown away by the last great movie, right? It was okay, wasn't bad, but uh, this is. I mean, this is not. This is not good, right? I mean, for not. For, for coming to a movie that they really needed to put everything out there, right, and really come in strong, um, this is not this is not good. And we did, I think we discussed a little bit what you know. Hey, you know what they need? I don't know whether we discussed this or whether it was just you and I texting, you know, texting. Uh, yeah, they can. I mean, do I think they can say scream? Sure. Yeah. What do you have to do to really uh, bring this ship back afloat? Well, number one, you got to get Nev Campbell back on board. Right. Yeah. If you don't have these two, you got to have Nev Campbell. If you don't have Nev Campbell, just fucking just cancel. Yeah. Right? There's, there's I, I, no offense to Courtney Cox. She can't carry it alone. Uh, Scream has always been an ensemble movie. It has always had, uh, you know, multiple strong characters. If you don't get Nev Campbell back in the fold and you really honest to God, you really need to get Patrick Dempsey as well as Nev Campbell's on screen husband in this. That would even strengthen it more. If, if you don't get them, nah, fuck it. Just forget it. It's not going to work. Yeah. But if you really, if you really want to save this motherfucker, we need Matthew Lillard brought yeah. back into the Scream franchise. Uh, it gets talked about every time uh, a new Scream movie comes out. There's rumors. There's innuendos. There's all these things. You and I talked about it with the last movie. We thought, oh, yeah, this will be it. You got to pull the trigger now. I don't care what you got to do. Throw the money at the man or whatever. I, I think he's down for it, but you got to make it work. You got to bring Stu back because 
uh, yeah, Nev Campbell is great. And she's the, she's she's it, and uh, will be whatever else. If you have Stu come back to this franchise, people are gonna forget this shit. They're gonna be so happy about that character and Matthew Lillard being back. The the sting from these two leaving will be uh, greatly uh, lessened in my eyes. At least. It would be for me. Um, you know, I hate to see these two go, but if you've got if you've got the classic characters, you know, if you've got Nev back and you bring Stu back, I'm okay. Because I prefer, honestly, no offense to these two, I prefer those characters anyway. Yeah. I, I think that you could very easily create an ensemble with legacy characters, um, and and it would be very easy. I mean, you could bring back Nev Campbell. You can bring back um, uh, Patrick Dempsey. I mean, Patrick Dempsey is kind of riding a high right now with Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was so good in that movie. Um, so, I mean, you could easily pull him into the fold. You could very easily get Matthew Lillard on board. I mean, he talks at conventions all the time that he would be so down to reprise his role as Stu Mocker yeah. if it was done right. He literally talks about it. And he did so fucking good in Five Nights at Freddy's as William Afton. Like, it just, he blew me away. So he is at the, he's at his, like, he is, he's having a career renaissance right now. This is the time for them to bring Stu Mocker back. This is the time to really, it's a one-two punch. Bring him back. And I, there's so many ways they could do this. Bring back the legacy characters. Uh, Heather Matarazzo, who plays, uh, uh, what's his, I can't remember his name now. Um, the sister of uh, the guy who like did all the movies. Yeah, Randy. Randy. You could bring her back, and by bringing her back, you obviously bring in t- uh, to the fold the uh, two characters, the brother-sister characters. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you could very easily create an ensemble with the legacy cast, bring Stu Mocker back, kill off a couple of people, and you have yourself a box office hit. Easy. Yeah, It's the thing is, yeah, here's the thing. Is this a big hit? Yeah, it's a big hit, right? Because I'm sure whatever they envision or what or wanted to do ideally has it altered now of course right but hey whatever if you if they if they just take a breath gain their composure and here's the key right you can bring back nev campbell you can bring back matthew lillard you can bring back whatever but you have to have a sound explanation why suddenly these two characters are not discussed anymore yeah and um and if you can come up with something like that uh, and just don't pretend it, it doesn't happen, um, you know, I, I think you can pull it off. Um, you know, it's obviously been uh, the big talk online about what's going on here. I, You know what? We'll probably never know the full story. Right. And that's fine because they don't have they don't they don't owe us an explanation for everything. Right. This is this is personal business dealings. They don't necessarily have to spell it all out to us. And that's fine. But but the deal is this. I hear all this shit about boycott. Boycott. Well, come on. What the hell? I mean, if 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 you're so caught up in these two characters that you're going to boycott the franchise, then I mean, are you really a longtime fan? Right. I understand. Here, again, but my thing is this. I. My leanings are towards the original Scream characters, the, the original, the earlier Scream movies. So if they switch back and bring in Stu, if they bring in back Nev Campbell, which by the fucking way, Nev Campbell should have never not been paid and put right. in these movies. So 
the fact that she wasn't in the last one is a fucking travesty all on its own. And I'm not going to dive into that, but pay the fucking pay her what she's fucking what she is this franchise. I don't care. You know, I love Jenna Ortega. I love Barrera. I love all this, right? I love them. But Nev Campbell is the face of this franchise. She always has been. She is the one that this thing started with. It's sitting around and you can bring it back to her. Just do it right, right? Don't fucking rush to put some shit out. Fucking sit down. Fucking come up with a logical, fresh explanation for what is happening here. And you can do it, right? Because Nev Campbell, wherever she is with her husband, right? Let's take take Ghostface there, right? And uh, or whatever. Just but just do it right. Don't don't pretend this shit didn't happen, right? Um, and and be respectful of your fans. It's not the end of the world, right? Franchises, you know, TV and movies, or whatever have 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 endured recasts and overhauls and characters leaving and some of them have uh, exhaled afterwards this could be too if you do it right um i don't know i guess i'm in the weird position that while so many people are like oh this sucks i'm like hey it sucks but uh you know i like these two but they're not what i think of when i think of scream and while i you know while they'll be missed um, if we get a little closure to some of those early movies and we get Nev Campbell and some of those guys back, I, I'm, I'm actually, I prefer that. <laughs> so I'm in a peculiar position. I know I'm the old guy. Uh, just do it right. Right. I mean, I, you know, we've got, I know we sidetracked and talked a lot about this, but, uh, <laughs> man, people are like knee jerk reacts so quickly to this stuff. And it's like, you know, it's like, take a breath. And uh, it just let's just let's just wait and see what happens here. Right. There's this. It is what it is. Let's see how the studio reacts and yeah. let's see, you know, and uh, eh, maybe it'll be OK. Maybe the, maybe they'll make chicken salad on chicken shit. Who knows? And um, let's just see before we start, you know, uh, you know, screaming about boycotts and shit. OK, if you don't want to see the movie, I don't see the movie. Just don't yeah. see it. I don't I, whatever. I don't care. Um, it's a scream movie. I'm going to go see it. I don't give a shit who's in it. I will probably go see it when it opens up. Um, you know, whether I enjoy it or not, Hey, when that time comes, we'll talk about it on here, but, uh, Hey, let's don't, let's don't, uh, let's don't judge before we even know what the hell's happening. So very true. Very true. But before we get too far down that rabbit hole, let's move on to some birthdays and movie anniversaries coming up. Starting mm-hmm. us off uh, somewhat strong, I guess, depending on how you think about it. December 8th, 1966, <laughs> Tyler Maine from the Michael Myers and the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Um, you know, we talked about it a lot. Not a fan of Rob Zombie's Halloween, but I can say yeah. this. The guy who plays Michael Myers is a beast. He looks great as yeah. Michael Myers. Um, so Tyler Maine is, if anything, a very, very bright, shining glimmer within a very dark, very shitty movie. So I yeah. give him that <laughs> Yeah, I like Tyler Mayne. He was also in uh, some of the X Men movies. I think he played. Yeah. Did he play Sabretooth, Maybe I can't remember. I think. Uh, I think so. I think yeah. you're right. So I, I like Tyler Mayne. I know I have no qualms with Tyler Tyler Mayne. Uh, but uh, yeah, not a fan of the at all. The Michael Meyer, the uh, Halloween Rob Zombie Halloweens, whatever I'm trying to say. But I, I do like Tyler Mayne. 
I'm not going to judge him for for this uh, these movies, but uh, he, <laughs> he he did all right, and, and I like Tony Me. So uh, whatever. Happy birthday, dude. There you go. And then, of course, we have December 9th, 1902, Margaret Hamilton, the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz. Um, we talked about this quite a bit, uh, but The Wizard of Oz, in the context of the time in which it was released, is most certainly, most likely, a very scary horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a great movie. Margaret Hamilton did fantastic. Um, and honestly, I mean, she she's a real trooper. I mean, if I remember hearing correctly, didn't she get like badly burned by one of the effects and just kind of like truck truckered through it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was great. And here's the thing. When you're listening to our podcast within the realm of listen to their screams, The Wizard of Oz is a horror movie. I don't give a shit what anybody else says. With, well, you're in our world right now. And it is a horror movie because in that context of the whatever it was, whenever it was, it was scary. I know this because as a child, I watched this thing every year on TV and flying monkeys and the wicked witch scared me. So it was comparable to me to the universal monster movies. It's, it's, it's not that different. Margaret Hamilton was probably the brightest spot of that movie. And I'm not knocking anybody in it, but she was incredible. Uh, she, she was so into it. And the thing I love about her so much is that outside this realm, she uh, she owned so much what she was doing that she realized that her role could scare people. She actually went on Mr. Rogers one time to show kids her dressing up as the Wicked Witch and that it was her acting just to to re- to whatever, rest the fears of, of kids like me uh, who were worried and, and scared by this Wicked Witch. Uh, you know, she was incredible. Uh, say what you want again within our world, within our universe here. Uh, the Wizard of Oz is a horror movie. Yep, absolutely. Beyond that, of course, we also have another uh, very famous uh, lady, I would say. We have December 11th, 1922, Vampira, horror hostess. Um, Vampira is a little bit before my time, but I know that Vampira is very important to the, uh, to the early 70s, 80s, that genre of uh, horror movie fans. So, uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, Vampira, Vampira blazed the path for multiple reasons. Number one, I, I love Elvira. Don't get me wrong. I love Elvira. The Elvira's look eh, was pretty much lifted from Vampira. Yeah, it, 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 it is what it is. And Vampira was doing this in a time when it wasn't easy for women to do these things. And and she was doing them. And uh, Vampira blazed the path for horror hosts and horror hostesses and uh, a classic character. I mean, she's got Toonie Terrors figures. She's got other figures. It's an iconic character. Uh, and for those, you know, I, I know, you know, Svengoolie is still out there. Horror hosts were a big thing when I was a kid. And while Vampira was not obviously still doing it when I was a kid, uh, she laid the, found war, the, the, the path, the foundation. For uh, some of the people that I grew up watching and some of the other horror hosts, everybody had their everywhere in the country. They had horror hosts and uh, they can all thank Vampira for getting this shit started. That's right. That's very right. Honestly, I think the I think my if I remember correctly, it was Sammy Terry from yep. um, from lower Indiana. So, I yep. mean, he. Uh, that that's who I kind of remember when I was yep. really young. I remember he would because I'm from you know I've talked about this before, but I'm from a little town called Columbus, Indiana, 
in downtown Columbus, Indiana, there used to be a store or something like that that he would go to. And I remember when I was a really young kid, probably like five, I, I have a very distinct memory of seeing him and it scared the shit out of me. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up on cemetery as well. He was uh, every week. Uh, cemetery was there presenting the monster movie uh, was scary as shit. He was scarier than the movies <laughs> themselves. And uh, yeah, I saw him at several different appearances at parades and different things when I was a kid. And Man, he was he was always scary, and his son is carrying on, uh, still doing cemetery. You know, now it's online, uh, still hosting movies, still doing things, still making appearances. Uh, so, but again, everywhere, everybody had their regional uh, horror host, right? That 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 did these things, and cemetery was a, a Indiana a Midwest icon. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot, again, a lot of these people, a lot of these people owe uh, owe a debt to to people like Vampira yeah. and, and some of those people. Absolutely. All right. So those are some pretty cool birthdays. Uh, now we have some anniversaries. So we actually are celebrating the one year anniversary of uh, The Mean One, starring David Howard Thornton of Terrifier fame. Um, that was released December 9th, 2022. And we are going to be re- uh, reviewing this not on our next episode, but the following episode for December 21st. So uh, yeah. very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. The, I mean, The Mean One is something I, I wanted to watch last year. But it's been it's one of those small release movies that was it was difficult with uh, the availability and whatnot. We couldn't really pull anything last year, uh, but it's out there now. Right. It's it's available video on demand. And, uh, yeah, we'll be reviewing it. And I'm, I'm excited. Right. I love the Grinch. I, I love David Howard Thornton. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see this. Right. What, what they do with this, because, again, the Grinch is, is a little creepy, a little spooky. It's not that far a leap to make it a, a horror movie. So uh, I'm excited. I can't wait uh, to to watch this and review it here in a couple weeks. Yeah, me too. Very excited. And then we also have December the 9th, 1983. We have Christine based on a Stephen Mm -hmm. King novel and directed by John Carpenter. Um, I've seen Christine. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. It's a little bit of a different take on sort of like, you know, enemies or antagonists in a film. You know, not often do you have a, an inanimate object as the antagonist, but uh, it's very good. Um, and also uh, Dave had a uh, van at some point that was nicknamed Christine. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's true. Uh, Christine, I, I believe. I don't know. I think we did a top three about Stephen King. Christine's my favorite Stephen King movie. Love it. Everything about it, and yes, you're right. I had a minivan that was a uh, was a piece of work. Uh, had lots of issues, lots of problems, but just kept on trucking. Uh, so therefore, we uh, we dubbed it Christine because it seemingly could not be killed. And uh, yeah, there you go. But uh, I, I love Christine. I you always hear these rumblings about it getting remade. Man, I hope they don't because I, I love the original so much. Yeah, absolutely. And then we also have December 12, 1941, The Wolfman, a universal movie starring Lon Chaney Jr. Um, The Wolfman, obviously, it's part of that uh, universal monsters and all that. Um, Again, I I, I don't think I've actually seen The Wolfman. I I think I've seen clips from it, though. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's it it is legendary in its own right. Um, And definitely uh, it's it's a very important anniversary for uh, for all horror movies. It is. The Wolfman's a great movie. Lon Chaney Jr. is great. Lon Chaney Jr. is uh, noted uh, for he played the Wolfman. He played Frankenstein. Uh, he played uh, Dracula uh, in the in uh, the mummy and in different Universal sequels. Uh, so he, he played more roles, different roles than anybody. Of course, Lon Chaney Jr., the son of Lon Chaney, 
who was the man of whatever they called him, man of a thousand faces. He was Lon Chaney established the so much with makeup and prosthetics and and all these things, right? Creating these characters. So he was in uh uh early early movies uh and uh was was spectacular. And Lon Chaney Jr. following his footsteps carried on a lot. And uh, Lon Chaney Jr. though had you know he had some demons with 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 the drink. And uh, and everything else that ended up getting him the best thing. But anyway, the Wolfman is a great, it's a great, great, great Universal movie. It's an iconic movie. It's probably one of the ones that if you're going to have a casual fan watch a Universal movie, it's one that's really easy to watch for someone who's not into that that old 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 Universal war. It's 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 a it's really a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. Have to check it out. Like I said, seen clips, but I need to check out all those. Universal movies, for sure. All right. December 12, 1997, Scream 2. Uh, we've actually ranked all the Scream films, talked about them at extensive lengths. Um, Scream 2 is a fantastic movie, a worthy sequel, um, and has a lot of positives for the Scream franchise. I know we both love this movie. Yeah, I do. I, I, I like it. Uh, it. Again, it's we've talked about it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great sequel. It's a good one-two punch with the first one. It's a good, it's a great movie. Uh, and, uh, you know, while, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about, I guess more than a little bit about the Scream franchise current, it's, uh, it's nice to kind of look back and, uh, remember the good days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good old, good old Scream. All right. And then last, uh, but certainly not least, I have, I've actually seen this version of this movie, weirdly enough. Uh, December 13th, 2019, Black Christmas. So for people who are like, what do you mean Black Christmas 2019? What are you talking about? So Black Christmas was originally released in 1974. There was a remake in 2006, and then there was an additional remake in 2019. Um, <laughs> I've seen the 2019 remake, and I've seen the original from 1974, because I believe, like you said, we watched it last year. Yeah. Um, uh, but I've not seen the one in the middle, so I've not seen the 2006 version. Um, but as a little slice of 2000s uh, nostalgia for you, it is headed up by Michelle Trachtenberg and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who are both like, I would say, 2000s icons for uh, female actors. Yeah. I, ironically, I don't think I've seen either of the remakes. Really? And Monica, Monica gives me grief. She likes the 2006 one because it's got Katie Cassidy in it and some other people. She she really likes Katie Cassidy, and uh and I do too as well. But uh uh yeah I, I don't know I love the original so much it's it's like I, I don't know I have a little trepidation about watching watching a remake, uh and it's again it's been remade twice I just say hey that just that's just a sign of how good the original was. Yeah no absolutely that's de- that's that's definitely an indication that at the very minimum the studio thought that this was a good enough idea to try and remake it twice at the very minimum. (laughs) I love it. All right. Now I think that pretty much does it for anniversaries and birthdays. And we just have a little bit of information on an upcoming release, but on December the 8th, we have the sacrifice game coming to shutter coming to a theater near you. No, I'm just kidding. Coming (laughs) to shutter. Um, it is described as it's bad enough that boarding school students, Samantha and Clara can't go home for the holidays. But things take a deadly turn when a murderous gang arrives on their doorstep, just in time for Christmas. Um, 
love a good, uh, you know, intruder movie. I love a good, uh, you know, that those are, those are very good horror movies because they're very realistic. Uh, so I, I love those. So I'm very excited for this one and it's Christmas related. So I'm sure there'll be some fun stuff relating to that. Yeah. I look forward to it. Uh, again, I'm always looking for, I love Christmas horror movies. So I'm always looking for something new to watch, uh, you know, besides, you know, the classics, besides the, the big ones. And uh, we'll see what this is. It's a, a, something new. A shutter usually comes through for us with some some quality releases. So uh, we'll find out what this one's like December 8th. Uh, I'm sure you and I will, will probably both watch it. We'll probably both speak of it on a future episode. Uh, while we won't do a few review, full review, excuse me, uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll mention it. Yeah, absolutely. That's usually how it goes. We usually at least mention some of these movies because, you know, it comes up in our watches and whatnot. But uh, in any case, um, I've say it once, say it a million times. I'll probably say it a million times more. If you don't follow us on social media, you're a loser. Follow us. We talk about all these things. We post about them. We give you guys up to date, you know, information. You know, if we hear anything different or any news, we try and give it to you when it happens. And then on our weekly episode, we do a recap. So um, definitely check us out there. We're on every social media platform you can think of. Probably too many, but that's okay. Yep. And, <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to give you our official review of A Nightmare on 34th Street. Stick around. Listen to Their Screams is now a Fangoria collaborator. Get 20% off your order at shop.fangoria.com by using the promo code listen to screams at checkout. That is listen to number two and screams. Or you can click the link in the show notes. All right, and welcome back to Listen to Their Screams. It is review time, and we are reviewing Nightmare on 34th Street. Of course, that's a play on uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the classic Christmas movie. Uh, but this is not a miracle. This is a nightmare. And it is written and directed by James Crow. It is now available digitally out there, wherever your favorite platform is for this. And the movie is described as a mysterious and psychopathic Santa visits a small rural town with a bag full of unusual gifts and twisted holiday stories featuring Krampus, a murderous Saint Nick, and killer carol singers that are certain to ruin the Christmas season forever. Now, so now that we've got that, I, I, gloves are off here. Dave, Dave's gonna, Dave's gonna rant <laughs> because. If we're going to talk about ruining the Christmas season, I did not like this movie. I, I really didn't. I, it had things I liked, but number one, let's get to my first gripe about this movie. It was too damn long. This movie did not need to be this long. Did, okay, let's talk about this movie, right? This this movie had like kind of six type segments here, right? So I, let's, let's talk about these individually, and these mm -hmm. segments, because I think that's the best way. Because I like some of the segments. It, it did not like some of the others. The first segment was Toby and Chloe's Christmas Nightmare, which had three killers uh, that, uh, you know, invaded what blah, blah, blah. And then it skipped to five years later. And the two children that they took were part of their little group. And what else. I like this segment. I thought this segment was fun. I thought it was creepy as hell. Uh, the girl that they took that later was part of their, their group. I thought I thought this was was really neat. Uh, it, it, it was really I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was well done. It was creepy. It had all the elements, right length. Everything was hit me just right on this one. Uh, Ike, what did you think of the, the Toby and Chloe's, the, the first segment in this? 
Yeah, you know, I, I will say I felt it was a little cheesy, um, but as an opener, it was interesting. Um, like I said, some of the effects were a little, little low quality, but at the same time, you know, this yeah. is a independent film, so I, I give them a lot of grace with that. Um, so the first segment, it was very quick, very snappy, had some very good little quips to it. Um, the the actors, the actor that played uh, what is like the man in red or something like that is what mm-hmm. they called him. Yeah. I, I thought he was kind of funny, like how he talked and stuff. So I, I enjoyed that first little bit. It was a good introduction to it. Um, and it like it definitely set the tone for the movie that, you know, hey, we're going to get creative. We're going to do some fun stuff here. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed that first little segment. It was a good little bite into it, and then boom, we were ready to go. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought I saw this. I thought, okay, hey, this is fun so far. And then it went to kind of what ended up being kind of the wraparound of this whole thing, right? There was a a segment that they 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 dubbed Santa's story, and it was essentially a Santa talking to a kid, telling him stories, uh, telling him you know this and that, talking about the three killers. This was kind of tying everything together. I thought it was fine. I thought it worked. I thought it was it was establishing something to pull everything together, right? When you have a segment type movie, you need this kind of stuff, something that kind of glues everything together. Uh, that's woven in there. The segment was fine. What really anything creepy. I mean, it was creepy, but it wasn't anything in there scary per se. It, it was there to more be kind of that, 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 that glue, right? That mortar between the bricks that we're establishing. Uh, this is how these segments uh, go together. Uh, so it, it was okay. Right. It didn't rock my world, but it, it was fine for what it was, the purpose it served. Uh, what do you think? I. Yeah. You know, the overarching story, um, it, honestly, I, I felt like the payoff wasn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be. Obviously, we'll yeah. get to that at the end here in a little bit. Um, but the, sort of the in between stuff wasn't too bad. Um, I do like the concept of how they were like relaying it. It was supposed to be because you kind of think like, OK, this has got a guy dressed up as Santa telling kids to a story in bed. So I like the delivery. I, I think that the method in which that these stories were delivered um, was interesting. Uh, we'll talk about, I guess, the ending of that sort of overarching story at later, because I think it's, yeah. it's like yeah, the yeah. last little bit. But yeah. I think that the delivery method was actually pretty nice. I was like, you know what? I, I can dig that. I can dig that. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was okay. Again, it, I think meh, maybe it lost a little step from the first segment, but again, it, you you do get the feeling, right? This is the wraparound. This is this is supposed to be the glue holding it all together. There's a little leeway there, so you, I get that. Then came the third segment, the ventriloquist who stole Christmas. Man, I I'm just gonna say flat. This fucking thing sucked. <laughs> this number one. This thing was so god dang long. It drug. I just did not feel this segment at all. I think they could have completely taken this out, been just fine. I don't think this thing brought anything to the movie. Don't think it established anything. I thought it was, it was creepy, right? I get it, but I just don't, I don't know. It, they, they, something needed to be done there to try to hold my interest. Cause man, this thing was so long that did, by the time they got to any of the, the meat of the matter, I just didn't care anymore. Uh, what what do you think of the ventriloquist segment? I um I so I I I don't think that it was horrible. I do think it was long. I think that they could have cut about fifty percent of this, and it would have been a lot better. I think a lot of the in between bullshit didn't make any sense. Um, I I think that 
they were trying too hard with this segment. Um, because here's the deal. I, I think the concept's great. You know, the sort of overarching concept is that this guy is, is a puppeteer. He has some trauma. Um, he has loss after loss of, you know, losing his, you know, his gig, losing his partner, uh, everything else. And it just kind of drives him mad. And I, I, I don't mind that. I, I think that that's a good, interesting story on paper. But how it was executed was just long-winded. I think that they could have, like I said, cut about 30 minutes of that. And yeah. I, I don't think it was actually lo- longer than 30 minutes. But it just felt long. It felt just – it felt like it dragged. I felt like it did. I was w- wearing an anchor. I, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, it uh, – man, it was so much longer than the other segments. Yeah. Uh, while the over – yeah, maybe the whole gist of the thing was fine. Like I said, by the time they got – to the heart of the matter, I man, I didn't care anymore. They'd already lost me. Uh, yeah. I mean, they they went into this thing with his, I don't know what what is his girlfriend, his wife. I thought it was his daughter at first, but it was just so everything was so weird. And then it was just like all this unnecessary stuff. I, I get right, you're you're they're establishing how down on the look this guy is. But uh, man, I think I don't think we needed that many examples. I think they could have no. taken a little away. Uh, you kept the focus on the guy's father and what happened there, uh, because the, you know, the, the end game was okay. Uh, but they had all this other stuff in there. I'm like, eh, I don't know if this really adds to it per se. Uh, I think we got the vibe that this guy was kind of fucked in the head and yeah. had some issues. <laughs> I don't think they needed to double down with some of the stuff that was just, all it was doing was adding time. Uh, so, but it was, uh, it just drug on and on and on. Now, the next segment was called, uh, they, I think they called Mary Krampus. Uh, again, it was okay. It wasn't bad. Uh, I, I don't know. It didn't really, it didn't really hook me that much. The, the Krampus was a little weird, but he was kind of funny. Um, I, you know, it was okay. I, I think given the innate amount of, of Krampus stuff we have out there, I don't know that this brought anything so unearthly, so new to the game that it was, necessary but uh it was okay coming out of the ventriloquist it didn't seem near as bad i don't think um i, I don't know it didn't it didn't really i could take it or leave it, it, it what do you think i honestly I, I like the krampus one um i i think that maybe i just like the concept of krampus maybe but i really enjoyed krampus um like the little segment here i i kind of like that they made it twist to the point where like it what you know was it actually Krampus or was the person mentally ill? You yeah. know the the Santa narrator kind of talks about that a little bit. Um, but I I quite enjoyed uh, the Krampus segment. I thought that it was you know quick and easy, quick and simple. You know they like I said they didn't try and draw it out. It was nowhere near as bad as the puppet segment. Yeah. Um, it, it was very quick and snappy. It, it had a very clear motive from the beginning. They had laid down the groundwork. And they pounded out, I would say, a pretty good, uh, solid little snippet. And, uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this Krampus segment. I, I would say that was probably one of the ones that I enjoyed more um, than, than some of the other ones, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was okay. Uh, and then the, then they, we went to a segment that was called the 12 Kills of Christmas. Now, man, this one, <laughs> this was some dark stuff here. Yeah. Uh, because we're talking about a priest uh, who – they're obviously insinuating had some uh, had some inappropriate relations with members of the children, the boys choir. Uh, 
that led to some some murder, some burying alive, some different things. Then this guy ended up having uh, whatever mental condition, dementia or whatever. It, I can't remember what it was where he was in this state of a of seemingly not being able to respond. And his daughter was taking care of him, but he was coming out of it like he was trying to kind of own up and reveal some of this. And, and it was uh, and then there was these. Members of the choir coming back to kind of seek vengeance. They were calling themselves the fallen angels. This, uh, man, this, this was probably the most twisted dark segment of this. Uh, I, I thought it was, it was all right. It was pretty good, but it did have, man, there was a lot of stuff that eh, kind of made you a little uncomfortable. That's not necessarily bad per se. Uh, but it, uh, yeah, it, it definitely kind of, eh, kind of made you cringe, uh, at some of the content. Um, I thought it was all right, though, and it definitely kind of spooked me a little bit. What'd you think, Ike? Yeah, you know, it, I don't, like I said, I don't think this was my favorite segment, but it was actually decent. Like I said, it it definitely went to a pretty dark place, um, but it told a very interesting story. It was a cohesive story, and I honestly was not seeing. I did not anticipate the little twist at the end where the priest was actually cognizant the whole time, basically. Yeah. Um, like I, I was not expecting that. And then when it happened, you're just like, oh, okay, well, that just happened. Um, So, yeah, I would say that it was good. It was decent. It had a good, solid story. And the payoff was actually good. You know, one of the things that I didn't really care about the Krampus one is that I feel like the payoff of the Krampus part was a little lackluster to an extent um, because I felt like they just kind of like really quickly shut it off. But I felt like the payoff of this one was a little bit more because I felt like they really had some good details to finish it off. Um, but like you said, this one was dark. This one was really dark. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it was good. And some of the scenery, too, because there was, like, some dream sequences, too, were yeah. actually really cool. You know, they were very unique. And I don't know. It, it just it, it definitely shocked me how well that part, this segment was uh, laid out. Yeah, it was again. It was all right. Uh, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think it o- overdid or whatever. It was it, it was very dark, but it was it was very creepy. And, and then they bring it bring it all home with what a segment they call Santa's Revenge, which hooks back around to the the Santa guy that's telling the story and tell and and, and, and that's kind of the wraparound guy, right? Talking about him, basically, you know, that he was whatever a day whatever you want to call him, a, a mall Santa or whatever you want to call him that uh, lost his job, uh, was lost his wife, was going to lose his son, but he ended up killing his wife and son uh, kind of kind of gave us a little of, the, of his backstory. Again, this was pretty dark, <laughs> pretty creepy, uh, but it kind of establishes why, you know, this guy that's telling these stories through the whole thing is is pretty screwed in the head. And um, and, uh, you know, it's. It was all right kind of for bringing it home. I don't know that it really uh, kind of kind of put that final nail in to really hit us hard to finish up. Uh, but, but it was OK. But but again, it, it kind of felt if you're going to bring all this together and, and, and finish the movie out and, and, and seal the deal, it kind of felt a little lukewarm for a final segment. I don't know. It just didn't. There was no, you know, none of that shock and awe. Uh, that maybe you you kind of hope for these kind of movies in that in that final bit. Uh, what do you think, Ike? Yeah, I think that the overarching story, um, you know, it had sort of like that 
Um, what I, I would say that it was a little rushed um, because yeah. what happened, because what they did was they basically had to tell like this story super quick um, because basically I felt like, I mean, I'll save my comment for what I want to say here in just a second, but basically the, they had to tell the story pretty quick. Um, and I felt like it wasn't horrible. It was, it was an interesting take on the sort of, you know, narrator role. You know, the narrator is telling all these sort of like messed up stories because he in some way, shape or form was attached to each of them. You know, he kind of saw them or knew about them from news stories or whatever the case may be. Um, and obviously he's not really Santa. He is just like a mall Santa who again lost his job and went on a tirade. So yeah, I, I didn't hate it, but at the same time I felt like it was very rushed. I felt like if they if they took some time away from some of the other lesser segments and kind of added it to this one, I felt like it could have been a little more solid. Um, but I definitely felt like a lot of the kills and the uh, lead up to this sort of you know murderous Santa was a little rushed. Yeah, and now I, I will say with this movie, because uh, I, I did a little, I, I did a little bit of digging. This movie apparently was on on the table for quite a long time, right? It was talked about being made for for a long time, and uh, I don't know what happened, right? It went through all these processes and all this and that. I, I do know, right? We had a screener link for this uh, before it came out. I will say there was a screener link sent to us. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after there was a revised screener link. We're saying, Oh, they've changed the movie. Here it is. I don't know what changes they made. I don't know if they added, added content. I don't know. Uh, so this, this movie has been very fluid. It, it feels like uh, up to the point of being released digitally. Uh, so I don't know if, if maybe that, that leans towards some of this, it's a little kind of all over the place. It doesn't really kind of all come together as cohesive. I don't know if they added stuff into that ventriloquist thing because it was such a, in the context of all this, it was such a long segment compared, compared to the others. I don't know if they, they really just thought that was going to be the, the heart of the matter. I don't, I don't get that, but you know, it's their movie. Uh, so I don't know. It seems like this movie was, seemed like it had a lot going on right up to the point of release. And I don't know why I don't, I don't know if creatively they just lots of stuff they, they wanted to put, I don't know. Right. I don't, I don't have an explanation, but yeah. I will say that all that you kind of feel in the finished product, right? It, it feels it, while it has some bright spots, it has some not so bright spots. And it, we, we broke this down by segment. But if you look at it from beginning to end, it does kind of lack a little bit of cohesiveness, yeah. right? And, and what I like about seg- movies that have segments like this is that ability to kind of bring it all together, which is usually done at the end in, in that last segment. That and, and the best ones are the ones that pull stuff that maybe you didn't get from watching these segments and puts it all together in this unique way at the end that ties into the wraparound story. And really makes you say, oh, yeah, okay. That, that makes, where, while you're watching it, you're just like, what is this? What is this? What does this have to do with it? And, and it has that ability to say, to put it all together and, and make you say, got it. I get it now. Well done. I think this was, I think this missed. While there's yeah. some segments that are fun, 
there, there's parts of this that are fun. If you take it as a, a whole, it's I don't know what it exactly is. Uh, I, I see what they tried to do. I don't I don't think they stuck the landing quite fully on this. And it didn't feel cohesive as much as there. We have a bunch of ideals. How can we force it to try to make it work? Because I really want to get this into my movie. And um, I don't know. Again, we've talked about segment movies where it's like you have an ideal that maybe is not quite fleshed out enough to make a whole movie. So you want to do it this way. But there's got to be a balance. It, it's got to work. Overall, while this movie has some good stuff, I don't feel as a whole, as a movie, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it. I don't think it clicked. I don't I don't quite think the foundation's solid there to give us a cohesive movie. What what do you think, Ike? Yeah. I, I well first and foremost, um as a whole, I think my first comment needs to be this movie was way too motherfucking long. Yeah, that way that, too long. No doubt. I mean this thing was over two hours long. Well, I literally I pulled it up because just as a fun fact, a lot of times, you know, when people send us screener links, they're hosted through sites and you have to yep. enter a password. Yep. So I go to the site, enter in the password, and it tells you like the movie. It shows you like a title card and yep. then it shows you how long it is. And then you hit play and it starts. And I saw it said two hours. I'm like, surely that's got to be a fucking mistake. Yep. Surely that's, that's a mistake. That's what I thought, too. And right. so I no way. Well, I'm just thinking to myself, like, I've watched, like, major blockbuster movies that struggle to make it two hours. And I'm like, how in the, how in God's green earth are they going to make this last two hours? Yep. And so, I mean, and obviously I don't mean this in any way, shape or form, like, truly negative towards, like, the creators. Because I understand the creators probably had a vision in mind and they set out to make what they envisioned. And I truly respect that. But on the other hand, this movie was too fucking long, bro. It, it was. 40 and, and, minutes too long, probably. 50 absolutely. minutes long. <laughs> and, and what we've talked about before, if you're going to do a two-hour movie, you better be damn sure of that content. Yeah. Because you've got to give us tw- two hours of good shit. We have said this time and time again. No offense, yeah. but a director has to know when to be able to say, hey, that's all right. It's just not working for the movie. Even if it's good. Okay, even if the material is okay, if it doesn't fit in the movie, you got to be able to know when to say no. We we got to cut that because yeah. it's what's best for the movie as a whole. I don't care how much you like that segment. I don't care how tied you are to it. A good director has to be able to manage his time to know what is working for the movie as a whole. If you're talking about a segment, a a, a segment movie like this or whatever you want to call it um it's especially true they could have cut so much of that ventriloquist part to cut this movie down it really there was so much in it i don't care if they thought that was the best thing ever if you're sitting there and you put this together and you sit back and say oh this is two hours long whoo we've got to cut something that's not going to work because if you got two hours, you got to hold my attention for two hours. I don't care. They weren't holding my attention. I was getting down to this. I'm like, please just come on and get this over with. And yeah. by the time they got to the end, it could have probably been the best thing in the world. And I was like, I don't care. 
I, it's, I'm just glad it's done because they had drugged me along so long that it was, it, it felt like I was being a little bit insulted. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it just, yeah, I mean this with all the love in my heart. It didn't have the material and the writing chops to go for two hours. No. And, and, and I don't mean, and obviously we don't mean this to be offensive. So if for some reason the person who made this movie is listening, I, I, this is not a discouragement to stop making movies. This is a discouragement for making two hour long movies when you don't have the material for it. Yeah. This and, is on, honest view back feedback as a viewer. Yeah. Right. Hey, you got, you had some kernels of good stuff here. Man, two hours though made me lose, made me lose your spark. So you got to pick and choose a little bit. Well, uh, and I, and, and I think that something is important, too, is that when you see that two hour timestamp, it, it becomes a chore, too. It does. Absolutely. And, and but yeah, so I think that's my first statement on the overall thought process of this movie is that it was significantly too long. Like it, it, it is a significant detriment to the movie of how long it is. And because yeah, <laughs> when I pulled it up, saw two hours. My first thought was, well, this had better be good. Because yeah. I'm like, if if this is two hours and they couldn't trim this down, they must have two hours of some really great shit here. So this had better be good. So the bar is already pretty high because you're telling me you got two hours of material here that's going to wow me. So I'm expecting that. And if you don't deliver to that high level, eh, you're already it's like you're already two strikes down in this count. Exactly. And that's the big thing, too, is that like, when you have that two hour movie, because when you think of like good two hour movies, I, I think about like movies that have legitimately changed the trajectory of film history, you know, movies like The Godfather, you know, I mean, like those are like epics that are two, three hour long movies and they make sense. But this movie just had it is movie truly had no reason to be two hours long. And I nope. think that was definitely to its detriment because about halfway through, I was saying to myself, I still got an hour left of this. I, I still have an hour left of this movie. And I was like, I don't I don't want to have that mindset because it, it truly it impacts your mood and it impacts your your outlook on that movie. So that would be my first thing. It was way too long. It could yep. have been cut significantly. I, I stand firm on the opinion that a, a horror movie is in its prime an hour and 15 to an hour and a half. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think 90 minutes or less is a sweet spot for horror movies because it, it that is long enough to get your story and your point across, but not long enough to shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> and that's and that's the truth. And that's what this movie did. I think this movie accidentally shot itself in the foot and it's unfortunate. Um, but I think that one thing, too, is that with this movie, uh, one of the biggest issues uh, as well that Dave definitely brought up was the cohesiveness. Um Anytime you have an anthology film, if you are going to have an overarching story, and there are some good anthology films that don't have an overarching story, you know, films like Creepshow, they don't really have an overarching story, but they do have a very interesting narrator who is showing you these 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 little snippets, you know what I mean? Um, so you don't necessarily always have to have that overarching story to connect all of the stories. But if you are going to do that, it needs to be very glued. It needs to be tight. It needs to be kept. It needs to be very good. And I felt like this movie lacked in that. And it's, again, it's not necessarily anything negative towards the creators. It's just that 
if you're going to go the the route of a anthology, you need to keep in mind of what you're competing with. You think of a good holiday anthology. You think of movies like Trick or Treat. You think of movies um, like like um, oh god, what is it? Uh, Southbound. Uh, there's all these great anthology esque movies, Creepshow, that do so much good stuff, and you're gonna now put yourself in the same ring as those people as those movies, and you're not going to be able to hold up to what people expect from anthologies. Um, and I think that that was, again, to their detriment that they made this an anthology film without a very cohesive story, without it being truly, truly cohesive. I, I think that it was a good idea, but I think that the they didn't quite stick the landing. I, I think that's important to say, is that it was not a bad idea. It was just that it, it did not quite stick the landing i think that's the best way i could put it yeah i mean you got six segments here essentially and that's that's a lot of segments uh, that's a that's, that's a lot to try to do and uh i don't know okay. I, I just think they they should have picked and choose they, they should have edited it a little better they should have thought about the overall picture as they planned this out and i don't i don't feel like they did i, I feel like they had all these little ideals and thought we want to do them all so we're just going to do them all and we're going to put them together and that's just the way it's going to be instead yeah. of sitting there and being honest with themselves and say, OK, yeah, but this one maybe doesn't doesn't work as well in the big picture. Maybe maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should sit on that for the future. And uh, I, I just felt like they, uh, they they just forced things in there when they didn't have to. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's a good way to put it. I, I felt like there were some parts of the game that were a little forced. Um, not the game, the movie, my apologies. Uh, I don't know why I said game. Anyways, <laughs> there were definitely parts of the movie that did feel a little forced because, um, and I, and I hate to point it out because obviously I'm sure they worked hard on it, but the, the fucking snowman puppet part of the movie, in my opinion, uh. it, it just, it felt forced. It felt too long. It honestly felt like they were trying to like add to the movie. It felt like some of the shit they dur- did during that segment was purposefully to run the clock. And I, and I don't know why they would do that, but it, it felt like that. It just felt like a waste of time. It felt like they were intentionally just sticking random bullshit, random B-roll into this movie just to make it make sense or to make it make longer. I don't know. Yeah, I don't because know why you knew, they would. <laughs> well, you you had a good idea where it was going to go. Right. right. As you're watching this, you're like, ah, okay, I, I see where you're going. Just get there. It's like, why? I don't know. It was It was too much. It was it way was. too much. That was definitely the segment that, uh, you know, maybe the idea was okay, but man, the, the delivery was was not on cue. It was uh, it was off. There, there. I don't know why they tried to pad that ideal so much that they put that much time into it. Uh, it, it they were beating a dead horse with some of this. Some of the, this, uh, it was it was just way too much. I mean, they were trying to point out how, how downtrodden this guy was. We got that. And they just kept, uh, they kept pushing it. And it's like, oh. I, well, that's like, what I was going to say, too. If, it, is it, it felt like they didn't like the guy. Like, they, whoever that actor was, they were like, fuck this guy. Let's make him look like a complete fucking loser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, like I said, that, yeah, that, uh, one of the biggest qualms of the movie was the length. Uh, do I do I think they could have trimmed it down and saved it? I don't know about saving 
could they have trimmed it down and improved it? Yes. I think it would have been, would have, would have felt a little stronger. Uh, at least it wouldn't felt as burden, uh, as much of a burden to watch, uh, and to, to get through some of the weak parts. Um, I, I still think there was some, some parts of the movie that were, uh, that were missing, even despite the length. Uh, even if you trim some down, I, I still think there was a few things that, that were not hitting. Uh, but, uh, you know, but the length and some of the, what felt like filler material was definitely to me the biggest, the biggest strike on this movie. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It's like they just, it's, it felt like they were afraid to let go of any of their ideals. Uh, like they were just going to stand their ground. And, uh, again, you know, an experienced director knows that, uh, you, you can't keep everything that you envision in the story in, in the movie, you have to pick and choose what works best for the vision overall. And uh, I just don't, I just don't feel like they had that. Uh, they had, they had that experience, that seasoning yet to, uh, to, to make those choices in this. Yeah. And I, and I think there was one other thing I was going to add before we, we eventually get to like the actual rating of this. Um, but one thing I, I kind of wanted to just throw in there just in case like anybody out there was like, you know, maybe, maybe I want to watch this movie. Still watch this movie. I, I still recommend that you do. I wouldn't tell you not to watch this movie. It wasn't that bad. Um, there are still some very positive things about this movie. There are still some gems within the movie. It's just like, man, you didn't need to do what you did, but you did it anyways. And that's fine. But maybe learn from this for your next film that you do, because, man, it's. I don't know if I can sit through another two hour long movie like that. It's just, no. it, it's hard. And, and it part, there were actually, there's a few parts of the movie that it kind of made me think of, uh, cannibal cabin. And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. look, man, you do not want to be compared to the fucking cannibal no. cabin, the fucking no. baby. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when you are, uh, when you're making a movie with different segments, uh, different, you know, multiple stories, it is already a, a fine art to try to pull that off to make it work. You have to have that that overarching vision of what's going to tie this all together before you before you dive into that. And I yeah. felt like this kind of went backwards. They had all these separate ideals, and then they just try to say, okay, what can we do to kind of tie this together? Oh, let's have a sin to telling stories. And I and it didn't it didn't make it work. Uh, and these kind of movies they they don't. That's not how they work. The, the wraparound, the, the big ideal is what drives these movies and everything else feeds into them. And it all, you know, swirls around and circulates and leads into that finale that brings it all together within the wraparound. And this movie did not do that. It did not feel like it had that vision uh, to, to pull that off. It's like they had several ideals and uh, they, they wanted to go for them all. So they just said, Oh, let's do an anthology type movie and, and throw them all in there. And, uh, it didn't that I don't think, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that was, uh, as well thought out as they, they had hoped. So nope. I would agree. All right. Well, let's rate this thing. Uh, Nightmare on 34th Street. Again, it's available digitally out there, written and directed by James Crow. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you rate this first. I, I typically go first. Uh, what are you rating Nightmare on 34th Street? Yep. So I think uh, with this movie, uh, the big thing to remember is that there were still some positive things. 
Um, now, I don't think that I will rewatch this movie. Um, so I think in my mind that automatically disqualifies it from being a three. I, I think that to be a three, you have to have some form of rewatchability. Um, now, I, I don't think I'll go as low as a two. So I think I'm going to have to go kind of in the middle at like a 2.5 out of five. Uh, yeah, I uh, I think that's kind of probably where I land to. It's definitely not a three for me. Uh, like you said, uh, there's not enough there to make me want to rewatch it. And then when you take that into account with the length, it's just bah, it ain't happening. I'm not rewatching this movie. Uh, there's there's not enough here to make me give up two hours to rewatch. Um, there's there's some sparks there, some some moments I liked enough that would probably keep it from dropping all the way to a two. Again, I did kind of enjoy that first segment. Uh, the Krampus was pretty good. The, the 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 church segment, the 12 kills, was pretty creepy. Uh, so you know there were some kernels there that I think eh, that's that's enough to bump it up to a 12, a uh, two and a half. Um, but that's I gotta say uh, that is that is the Yuletide, the Yuletide giving nature of me right now. That that that's that is generous. Um, they're getting a two two point five, but it's it's not a it's not a strong earning on their part. They're they're kind of getting that by the the skin of their teeth, so to speak. Um, what, you know, one more mistake and they're down to a two. <laughs> and um, and uh, again, you know, it, it is what it is. It's it's a Christmas horror. That's that's a, a, a an odd realm to try to go into because there's been so much done. Uh, that it's, you know, you're, you're already taking a chance that uh, you're going to be able to produce something original enough to hold uh, people's attention. And I just don't I don't feel like they delivered. Uh, but again, this is uh, it's available out there. Go give it go give it a watch. See what you think. Um, make sure you have some snacks and a drink, maybe pack a lunch because it is a long movie, like we said. Uh, but if you've watched it or if you're going to watch it, uh, give us give us some feedback. What do you think? Uh, what would you rate it? What would you think of it? Which segments did you like out of this? Uh, you know, give us a uh, give us your views overall, and then break it down and tell us what you what you did like, what segments you did like. Now, that's the unique thing about doing a movie like this. While we didn't didn't enjoy it overall, it did have segments within the anthology that we that we did like. So uh, it, it breaks down if you take away that the, the building blocks. There are some parts we did like to the movie. So uh, let us know what you thought. And again, like I said earlier, like the ad said earlier, uh, you can do that on social media. We're on all those platforms. Just look us up. Listen to Screams. Listen to the number two in Screams. And let us know what you thought about it. Uh, I'm a little more optimistic. I know you've already seen this movie. And I know you're excited to do it. Uh, you're excited for me to see it. You're excited for us to discuss it. Next episode, we are reviewing It's a Wonderful Knife which is available now on Shudder and AMC+. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I have a a much more optimistic view of watching this movie. I, I, I think this is a, I think it's going to be a little more enjoyable view. I, I think I know a little more what to expect. Let's put it that way. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to it as our tromp through some new horror movies continue. That's on next episode. So before we uh, get out of here, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And if the choice is there, give us a rating and a review. Help us with those algorithms. Help us come up as a suggested listen when people are listening to other similar podcasts. Uh, Ike, before we put a lid on this, 
uh, in our first week of the Yuletide season. Anything you want to add? Uh, I think the other thing I would add is uh, I'm very excited for our next review. I, I think that this is probably this without giving away anything, because I, I want to make sure Dave doesn't get any kind of spoilers. <clears throat> this movie that we're reviewing next week will may or may not make its way into my 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 top five for the year. Whoa, that's saying a lot. All yeah. right. We'll see. We'll see. We're, we're on the cusp of that. That's that's wild to think. It's because I, I haven't given a lot of thought to that, but man, we're right there where we got to narrow down our top five for the year and, uh, and start debating that. So I look oh, forward yeah. to that, that coming up. That's always, that's always fun. And, uh, I don't remember. We'll, we'll, I'll look into it. And we'll talk about next, next week. I, I don't, what was our number one movie from last year? Do you remember off the top of your head? Uh, it was Terrifier 2, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Makes, <laughs> Makes sense. I, I forgot about that. So there you go. Uh, but uh, but when we uh, when we get to that point where we're discussing our top five of 2023, uh, we'll do a very quick recap of what our top five of 2022 was, uh, just just for shits and giggles. Uh, but I, I do look forward to that. Uh, but we'll see. It's a wonderful knife. Ike says is a contender for his top five. So intriguing. Uh, we'll see what I think of it uh, coming up next week. I haven't given a lot of thought, so uh, we'll see. We'll see. But that is coming up as we continue. With Christmas horror, and it's, it's it's nice to have some new stuff out there. Uh, last year we did primarily uh, classic old stuff, and it's 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 nice this year that we've got some some newer things, some newer entries to uh, to watch and review. So I'm looking forward to that. So, but that is next episode. Until then, uh, whatever you do and wherever you go, be good, be safe, and always have many pleasant nightmares. <laughs>